Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Okay, so uh, a businessman was running late for an important meeting and he gets to the parking lot and it's now he's having a hard time finding a parking spot and he's traveled, he's driven up and down, back and all the rows, didn't find the place. So he's now he's desperate and he looks up to the heavens and says, God, I know I don't go to uh, church, I know I don't pray much, but if you can just help me find a parking spot, I will pray every day and I will go to church every Sunday. Immediately after saying that, the man looked down and before him was an open parking space. And he looked back up to the heavens and said, never mind, I found one myself. <laughs> Isn't that kind of like human nature? <clears throat> Tonight, uh, what I'm going to preach on is... Uh, an extravagant God. We have an extravagant God. I want you to say extravagant God. He's a good God. And in the Merriam-Webster dictionary, it describes extravagant, first of all, as being exceeding the limits of reason or necessity. When Paul wrote about God's peace in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, he said it's a peace that transcends understanding. Or in other words, it's beyond reason. Another definition for extravagance is lacking in moderation, balance, and restraint. You know, tonight, God's love for us is nothing less than extravagant. There's nothing else that could uh, uh, explain the cross besides the extravagance of God. Jesus' death on the cross was unrestrained love. And then also in defining extravagant, it means extremely or excessively elaborate, lavish. God's joy in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 is said to be joy unspeakable and full of glory. It is excessively elaborate joy. Words that are used in the, in the Word of God to describe God's grace toward us are abundance, full of grace, the riches of His grace. Or in other words, God's grace tonight is lavish. And so we ought to know by that that God isn't stingy. And what he did to bring us to himself was extravagant. When the Roman centurion that was there at the foot of the cross, he saw and he heard Jesus' words. He saw what Jesus was doing. He saw the, the exhibition of God's love on the cross, and he was overwhelmed and overcome, and he said, truly, this was the Son of God. It was extravagant love that melted his heart. And so tonight, we have an extravagant God. Say extravagant God. 
and what he does in and for us is extravagant. Yes. Psalm 145 and verse 16, I like this verse. says, you open your hand. This is talking about God, and it says, you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. We ought to be able to see God like that with an open hand. You know, too many people see God with a clenched fist, don't they? Or a closed hand. And we ought to see God as he is toward us with an open hand. God isn't stingy. He's extravagant. And tonight I'm going to look, and we're going to look at a couple of examples of his extravagance towards us, and I believe that they will help encourage us to believe him for more in our life. I want more of him, and I want his extravagance more in my life, don't you? So the first thing we want to look at is God's extravagant peace. Every born-again believer tonight ought to believe in God's promise for peace in our lives. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, encourages us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God's peace is extravagant. Now, I know tonight that there are those of us here, no doubt, that are stressed about stuff. We may be, there, there are some that may be worried about things or worried too much about stuff. And there are, are things that can, if we allow them to, make us afraid. But Jesus has made provision through his blood on the cross for us to have his peace. Jesus is said to be and is the Prince of Peace. He rules with peace. He rules in our life with peace, and we should enjoy his peace. You know, I was thinking just yesterday about Jesus being the Prince of Peace, and if he is the Prince of Peace, then Satan must be the Prince of Fear. And what he does and attempts to do in our life is to dominate and rule and control our lives with fear, anxiety, and worry. Fear is the enemy of peace. It's the antithesis of peace. And I read somewhere, someone said that the most repeated command in the Bible is fear not. Over and over uh, in God's Word, it encourages us, don't be afraid, fear not, uh, or it asks us the question, why do you fear? And fear will mess us up. Now tell yourself, don't let fear mess you up. There was a study conducted through the University uh, of Minnesota, and they released a health publication on the effects that fear has on us physically and to our physical health. 
It's said that fear weakens our immune system and can cause cardiovascular damage, gastrointestinal problems such as ulcers and other complications. It can lead to accelerated aging and premature death. In our, for, in, and fear affects our memory. Fear can impair the formation of long-term memories and cause, cause damage to certain parts of the brain. I don't want fear to damage any more of my brain. Do you? This can make it even more difficult to regulate fear and can leave a person anxious most of the time. To someone in chronic fear, the world looks scary and their memories confirm that. In the area of brain processing and reactivity, it says that fear can interrupt processes in our brain that allow us to regulate emotions. This impacts our thinking and decision makings in negative ways, leaving us susceptible to intense emotions and impulsive reactions. All of these effects can leave us unable to act appropriately. And then finally, in the, in the, in the area of mental health, other consequences of long-term fear include fatigue and clinical depression. Now, I know somebody here is probably thinking, great, now I'm afraid of being afraid. <laughs> but through Jesus, we are promised an extravagant peace, and we should not settle for anything less. In the Word of God in the Old Testament, speaking prophetically of the coming Christ in Psalm 72, verse 7. It says, speaking of Jesus' coming in his days, that's these days, the righteous shall flourish and abundance of peace until the moon is no more. You and I are promised through him abundance of peace. A peace. In Isaiah 9, verse 7, it says, and of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. We are promised abundance and unending peace through Christ, and it's something that you and I have to contend for. Everything that has been freely given to us through Christ is going to be contested by the devil because he's a thief. And if we are going to experience and live in God's peace, then what it means is we're going to have to put our foot down. Say, I like this. I like that. We're going to have to put our foot down. And that's exactly what Romans 16 verse 20 is talking about. And he says, and the God, listen, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Somebody say amen. We See, the God of peace, the God of peace will crush. You know what crushes Satan? God's peace. His peace will be in our lives and will crush the works of darkness and the fear he tries to bring on us. We have to take a stand, don't we? Ephesians 6 verse 11 says, put on 
the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Ephesians chapter 6 gives us the whole armor of God. It starts in, in verse 10 and then goes through verse 11 uh, through and chapter uh, 6 of Ephesians talks about the breastplate of truth uh, or the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. And all of these are critical for us to put on. But along with all of these, we cannot forget the importance of a good pair of shoes. Amen. Ephesians 6 and verse 15 tells us, as, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And so we are meant to stand in God's peace. We are meant to stand through the peace of God. What will give us firm footing in our lives as God's people is standing with the readiness, the, the, the understanding, the revelation of the peace of God that is meant to rule in our hearts and lives. Take a stand. All of us tonight have things going on that may stress us out or make us afraid, but we have a revelation of the Prince of Peace and the Prince of Peace ruling in our lives lives, uh, he rules uh, through peace. And so having said all that, we need to really kind of understand how to experience more peace. And I'm just going to do something, say something very simple. Some of you have heard that, you know, the thing is, is that we need to hear sometimes God's word with fresh ears as if it's the first time we've ever heard it. And then say amen like it is. We need to take a stand through prayer. Thank you. In Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 again, he tells us how to, how to experience more peace. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's good. He, the, the Word of God tells us how we can experience more peace, and we experience more peace by taking a stand in prayer. Someone said, worry is simply negative prayer or anti-prayer. It is the opposite of praying, but prayer cancels worry. I like that, don't you? But see, our problem is that we, uh, a lot of us, have gotten so good at worrying that it sometimes seems almost impossible for us not to worry because we've gotten so good at it. Now, I use the pronoun now we to include myself with you so that you wouldn't feel like you were alone, but we sometimes uh, worry too much. Say, we do sometimes. Say that. We do sometimes. 
Now listen, my suggesting that it's possible not to worry can almost sound ludicrous. But I want you to hear me tonight, like with fresh ears, because I'm not, I'm not suggesting anything. I'm simply telling you and stating God's promise to us. This isn't just a suggestion. It's God's promise to us. We have a promise that if we will stand in prayer about whatever worries us, God's peace will guard our hearts and minds. It's a promise from God that if we'll pray and pray and just pray about it, what we're worried about. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind. Now, I was talking, Cindy and I were walking yesterday afternoon. I was talking to her about this and the peace of God guarding our hearts and lives. And, you know, Cindy said, yeah, he acts what it is. God's peace will come in and act like a bouncer to our worries and our fears. And I thought, I like that. When we pray about what we're worried about or fearful of, what God's peace does is it comes in and grabs that, maybe that fear of the future and says, out you go. Grabs that fear of sickness and out and bounces it out. That takes that uh, fear of need and lack and drives it out. It's a bouncer. We need that bouncer working in our life to bounce out our fears and worries. Thank you, Cindy. That was good. See, what, what all this means is that we can have peace even when there's no rational explanation for it. The peace of God that transcends understanding. We can enjoy God's extravagant peace, and we all need more of that, don't we? Second thing tonight that I want to talk about is God's extravagant joy. I like this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 says, And having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. See, our faith, our believing, brings us into a place of joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. Now, I do want you to hear me tonight because having God's joy doesn't mean that we're going to be just uh, giddy and giggly all the time. But truthfully, I would rather be giddy and giggly than somber and sullen, wouldn't you? Philip Brooks said, the religion that makes a man look sick certainly won't cure the world. But having said that, God's joy 
isn't just an outward expression. It isn't just being uh, giddy or giggly all the time. What God's joy is is something that goes way down deep inside us. It's an inward working of God's strength. And that's why Nehemiah 8 and verse 10 encourages us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Joy is so important because it's our strength. It's something that gets way down deep, God's joy. It gets inside us so deep that even when things are not going well and we're going through difficult circumstances, we can still have that sense of joy. Joy is defined as cheerfulness, calm delight, gladness, and an immense sense of well-being. And we can have God's kind of joy even when everything else around us isn't necessarily okay. Can I tell you something you already know? If, if we are waiting for everything to be okay before we have joy, we're going to be waiting a long time. Because in this life, in this world, Everything isn't always going to be okay. Anybody can have joy as long as everything's okay. But what makes God's joy so strong and extravagant is we can experience it even when stuff isn't okay. The kind of joy that God gives is almost always in spite of something. Now, Habakkuk... Habakkuk, Habakkuk, however you want to pronounce this guy's name, in chapter 3, verse 17 through 19, listen to what he says. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there's no herd in the stalls, Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. And here he talks about it. The Lord God is my strength. That joy is his strength. He will make my feet like a deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high hills. Now, if you look at this guy's words and read through, as we look through that, the guy almost sounds a little bit unbalanced. There's no figs, there's no other fruit, uh, there's no olives, there's no food, there's no sheep, there's no cows. And yet, he says, I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. You see, he's telling himself something in the midst of his difficulty, in the midst of his hardship, in the midst of his circumstances, he tells himself, I will rejoice. I will joy. He's putting his faith into action and see that joy brings strength. This joy, God's joy, isn't just some kind of outward happiness. It's an inward strength that comes from an immense sense of well-being. See, we can have God's joy even when things aren't so good because we know and we have confidence that he's going to turn it around. 
somewhere, somehow, he's going to turn it around. Psalm 30, verse 5, talks about the temporary nature of weeping and grief and sorrow. Weeping may endure for a night, but what? Joy comes in the morning. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, speaking of Jesus, says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy who was set, that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, who for the joy set before him. Yeah, there was a strength that came into Jesus. Uh, that strength was God's joy, his Father's joy, and the joy that helped him endure the cross uh, was that even though he was going to die, he wasn't going to stay dead. And see, that's our joy as so we look through the circumstances to what's ahead. And you know, the gospel, the good news is all about resurrection. That dead things come to life again. Listen, dead finances can come to life again. Dead relationships can live again. Uh, dead emotions can come alive again. I tell you, before I gave my life to Christ, my emotional state was dead. But after I gave my life to him, he resurrected those emotions and all of the, the whole spirit spectrum. I uh, cried uh, tears of joy. I, I laughed a lot more. I smiled. I, I, it was, uh, I was happier. I was joyful. Why? Because Jesus raised up this dead man and gave me life. His joy is, is involved with the resurrection. He can cause dead things to come back to life again. Things that look hopeless, he can turn around and make hope full. And listen, knowing that gives us joy. I want to look just real quick at how joy comes. And it said in the verse earlier that we started with here, I'm going to turn back because I don't have it. 1 Peter 1 verse 8 says, in whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing. Yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. See, joy tonight, joy and peace come through believing. Everything good in our life that comes from God comes through our believing. And so we, we look at, at uh, the, the circumstances that may not look good. We may have things that worry us uh, or that make us afraid. And the peace of God comes into our life. How? By believing. The joy of God comes in the midst of the bad circumstances. And even though we have those things going on in our life, we can have an immense sense of well-being because we believe in God over the circumstance. Even though stuff may not be all right, God's always all right. And joy and peace come through believing. Romans 15, verse 13. Now, may the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace in believing. And so what we do is we say, you know what? I believe God in spite of what's going on. I believe God in the midst of this worrying circumstance. I trust God and peace comes. Even though there are bad things going on, I believe God in the midst of these. And you know what that brings? God's joy that somehow, somehow God's going to come through. And trusting and believing that, hope is stirred up. We have an expectation of good from God. And what that does, it brings joy, an immense sense of well-being. And then real quick, finally, joy comes through the Word. Gotta, we gotta, we gotta, if, you, if you're wanting to encourage yourself in joy, get in to God's Word. Jesus said in John 15, verse 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Amen. We can be full of joy when we get God's Word in us. Just get into the Word of God. Just read. Get into this. If you're, if you're going through junk, read through the Psalms and encourage yourself in that. Go through in the New Testament. Read through those letters. You know, if, if you're just one that does, did, has anybody else been through some stuff like me, read about some of Paul's perils. It might encourage you. He will have perils of this and perils of that and perils upon perils upon perils. And yet, he wrote about joy, didn't he? Why? Because God's God tonight. And we get into God's Word, let God's Word get into us. The result, reaction of that will be joy in our hearts. Full of joy. I want, his, I want the extravagance of God in my life, don't you? I, I desire God's extravagant peace. I desire his extravagant joy, and I know you do too. Let's bow our head tonight. Nobody looking around for a moment. The whole reason Jesus died on the cross was for us. And first of all, so that we could be forgiven. And if you're here tonight and you've never gotten saved, you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, you can do that right now. And I'm telling you, you can experience His peace. You can experience His joy. You can experience His life. When I gave my life to Christ, I'd pretty much given up on life. And I am so glad that He's a God of resurrection because He gave us life, didn't he? He gave his life so that we could have life. And if you need his forgiveness tonight, you've never been saved, you've been away from God, nobody looking around for a moment, you just slip your hand up in acknowledgement of your need tonight. God bless you. You want his forgiveness. Somebody else? Anybody else? God bless you. Praise God. Amen. I see your hand. You can put them down. Praise God. We're going to pray together, and I'd like for us all to stand. We're going to pray, and I'd like for you all to just uh, pray this prayer of forgiveness with 
me tonight along with me. I'm going to say it out loud. You repeat it with me. And then after we finish that, what I'm going to do, I know that there are those here that have uh, things that have made you fearful or worried or concerned. We're going to believe God tonight for his peace to settle in over you. There are circumstances going on in your life, and, the, and the, even saying the word joy seems distant possibly to you right now, but tonight what we're going to do is we're going to apply our faith in God and in the bigness of God and that he's able to turn things around, and in the midst of our hardship, in the midst of our difficulty, bring joy, an immense sense of well-being. I want that, don't you? Amen. Let's pray together. Would you just bow your head, close your eyes, and repeat this with me? Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross so that I could have life. I ask you to forgive me. Come into my heart. Save me. Cleanse me. Forgive me. Thank you for that. I believe you've forgiven me. And Lord, tonight, I ask for your peace to overcome the things that make me worried and afraid. I put my faith, my trust in you. And I believe for your peace that is beyond natural reasoning to guard my heart and mind. Tonight, I thank you for your joy, and I believe for that immense sense of well-being in my heart now because I trust in you. I will trust in you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Would you give the Lord praise and thank Him? Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. He's good, isn't He? He's an extravagant God. He is not a stingy God. And I pray that as you leave tonight, our prayer team will be up here in the front to pray with you individually if you'd like prayer. But as you go to sleep tonight, I want you to picture God with an open hand towards you. He's the God of the open hand. God bless you. God love you. Good night. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.